The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Now, after the Magi had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, once again, Merry Christmas. Just a reminder... If it feels weird to hear somebody still say Merry Christmas, it's okay to say that to people, even in January, even on New Year's Day. That's because as good Lutherans, which is what all of you are, you celebrate Christmas for 12 days, which ends on Epiphany, January 6th. I think part of the reason why it feels weird to still say Merry Christmas is because the secular calendar, the commercialized calendar, is done with Christmas. I mean, it started before Halloween, so it's definitely done by now. But our calendar is different. We, the church, treat time differently here. The world may have moved on to other things, but we are slowly savoring the mystery and the majesty of the birth of the Son of God. Today's gospel, however, gives us Christmas whiplash. We go from Jesus lying peacefully in a manger to to terror. We go from all is calm, all is bright, to a disturbing, troubling tale. I think I know why this story from the Gospel of Matthew gets scheduled in the lectionary for the Sunday after Christmas. It's because attendance is low. We don't want people to hear this story. I think we might be afraid of what might people might think. 
If all the people that came to worship here on Christmas Eve knew we would be reading this story the following Sunday, would they come back? It's similar to how we kind of sanitize the whole Christmas narrative. Christmas is a nice family holiday, but no one wants to look at it for what it is, an unwed, pregnant teenage mother. The truth is that the odds were unbelievably stacked against Jesus from day one. He's born in a backwater part of Palestine. There's no modern medicine in an imperial-occupied land. Those aren't good odds. But when you add in today's story, the chances that Jesus is going to make it at all go down exponentially. He's getting death threats by the age of two. And that's all due to a man named Herod. So who was Herod? This was Herod the Great. Not to be confused with Herod Antipas, the son who would be ruling at the time of Jesus' death. It's a different Herod. Herod the Great was what we would call a client king. The Romans loved to leave local people in charge when they took a place over, just as long as they were obedient, paid their taxes to Rome, offered the sacrifices to Caesar. In 37 BCE, probably before Mary and Joseph were even born, Herod the Great took control of Jerusalem on behalf of Rome. Rome rewarded him by giving him the title, King of the Jews. He was ruthless ruling with an iron fist. All threats were extinguished. He was known for executing many of his own family members, leading Caesar Augustus to offer the quote, I would rather be Herod's pig than his son. But Herod wasn't all that bad. He started huge building projects, rebuilding the second temple in Jerusalem which employed thousands of people, permanently changing the physical landscape of Jerusalem. It's important to know that in the Gospel of Matthew that we're hearing, it's written to a Jewish audience. In fact, the whole history of Jewish people is wrapped up inside of Jesus' childhood. He goes down to Egypt just like when Joseph was sold into slavery. And then he comes back out of Egypt after the coast is clear, just like the story of the Exodus. Now, why the author does this is to set up Jesus as being the new Moses, leading the people of God out of slavery. With all that in mind, that means Herod is connected to another character in the story of Moses. Herod is meant to play the role of Pharaoh. Just as Pharaoh commanded all the male Hebrew children to be thrown into the Nile, so Herod is setting the type of the killer of innocent children. Now let's stop and ask this question. Why would Herod be threatened by Jesus, who is only a baby. 
Jesus poses no physical threat to Herod. What is it about him that makes a grown adult take such lethal steps to prevent Jesus from existing? What kind of power does Jesus hold that makes rulers anxious and willing to lash out? This is the chilling part of the Christmas story that we often forget and we overlook. Theologian Stanley Hauerwas says, Perhaps no event in the gospel more determinatively challenges the sentimental depiction of Christmas than the death of these children. Jesus is born into a world in which children are killed and continue to be killed to protect the power of tyrants. Herod's power was being threatened. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 2, the Magi from the east show up to Herod and they say this. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observe his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. Now what's interesting is that it wasn't just Herod that was afraid of losing his power. It says that all Jerusalem with him was also frightened. You see, Herod had come to power because of his allegiance to Rome. He was a Jewish leader, but he was a puppet king. He had turned the entire city of Jerusalem into a system that kept him in control. He claimed to be a positive force for the people through his many building projects. But in reality, he was taxing the people heavily to feed the appetite of his reputation. He even added a golden eagle, the symbol of Roman authority, to the entrance of the temple in Jerusalem. It was a sign that Herod cared more about his standing in Rome than people. So it wasn't just Herod who was afraid when the Magi showed up and said, where's their new king? It was also all the people he had placed around him that were afraid. The entire system he had created in order to serve him. And when you are so self-possessed and self-absorbed that you would do anything to anyone, including your own family, in order to maintain your reign and privilege over other people, then killing a couple of dozen kids in the country is nothing. It's what fear tells you to do when your power is threatened. When you're a tyrant, people are expendable, including children. Violence is just a tool in your belt used to maintain power. And this is important for us to hear because every generation has a Herod. I'll say that again. Every generation has a Herod. The more things change, the more they stay the same. People are still forced from their homelands, fleeing from violence and seeking refuge in foreign lands. This is what Mary and Joseph and Jesus faced. They were refugees. 
What would have happened if Jesus wasn't welcomed into Egypt? What if they had been stopped at the border? What if they didn't have the right paperwork to cross over? What if they were turned back and told to go home? What if instead Egypt had locked them up in a detention center? Jesus would grow up and teach that whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And I'd like to think that's a lesson he learned when he and his parents had to leave their homes and rely on the hospitality of strangers in Egypt. How we treat strangers and immigrants in our own country and the attitudes that we hold are a reflection of how we treat Jesus. When you are looking at the face of an immigrant, you are looking at the face of Jesus. The next time you see a picture of a refugee, remember that was Jesus. And this is why we shouldn't turn away from hearing this heart-dropping post-Christmas story. This is why we have to keep Herod in Christmas. Because in this story, we see very clearly that God did not take the side with the powerful. God came as a helpless baby on the side of the victims. God became a refugee in order to take side with all the vulnerable children. God came among us and then had to flee from home in order to expose all the insecure adults who see kids as expendable. Jesus was born to show you how to live and love, not fear. Jesus was born to save us from Herod's. May God save us from people who do the same today. God, open our eyes to see Christ in our world among us today. Amen.